Thanks for joining us. I'm Alan Burke, a landscape architect here in the Puget Sound region, and you are listening to the Green Meridian Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about hybrid plant material. It's pretty shocking when you visit a nursery these days. If you take a moment to stop by your local plant wholesaler, you're going to see a wide variety of new hybridized plant materials. Even the most experienced horticulturalists can be dumbfounded by the new plant varietals that were unknown just weeks before. When you're called on as a fundamental part of your trade to know plant materials, this can pose a vexing problem because these plants are coming at us very fast and furious now, and it's really hard to keep up. Have you seen all the new varieties of perennials and ornamental shrubs? Hydrangea alone can send your mind reeling. New cultivars and improved varietal perennials are nothing new, of course. Virtually every plant you specify that is not a true native will be a product of some kind of crossbreeding or hybridization. But we've seen an exponential spiral in the frequency of these new releases. Marketing brochures and advertisements fill the nursery trade magazines from large horticultural firms such as Monrovia, Proven Winners, and First Editions. It's not just the plethora of choices that are confusing, but your projects can suffer because of this. You'll specify a special dwarf free-flowering perennial, and then in a few months find that it's been quote-unquote improved and renamed by the time your work is going in the ground. Within a few months of your specification, there'll be an entirely new plant available in its place, and the beautiful plant that you used to specify is suddenly not available anymore. A plan or plant list that you drew up six months ago needs to be altered to accommodate this new hybridized material. The initial blush on this is that it's a fantastic certainty to see the cosmetic improvement in all of these botanicals. But upon a closer consideration, we need to be aware of how this is changing the nature of our outdoor areas and what it means for landscape designers to be specifying materials that do not naturally occur in the environments in which we live. Over the last few years, for example, I've been specifying Nepeta, the dwarf catmint, a dual cultivar that stays compact, it's drought tolerant, and it's extremely long blooming. In particular, I prefer the Nepeta variety called Walker's Low, a reliable dwarf non-spreading variety. Over the last year, it's become a little bit more difficult to find as we see the availability of a new cultivar, Junior Walker, an even smaller, more reliable version. Similarly, Rudbeckia or Black-Eyed Susan's most popular hybrid is called Goldstar. Many of you know it. It's being supplanted now by Little Goldstar, an improved smaller hybrid. These are examples of quickly evolving but purposely improving changes to hybrid ornamentals. When we specify this kind of crossbred material, the resulting availability and specification can be very confusing for us. Consider that it's difficult enough to know whether the plant material you are specifying for a project that is going to go in a few months from now is going to be readily available at all at that time, and whether the local grower or the supplier has procured enough material to make up your specification. This is a very common problem. 
for designers. And the reason that as a designer, if your plans are going out to bid, you're finding that some of the material is not installed as you had originally indicated. This difficulty poses a special opportunity, though, and ask that we consider and inform our thinking about the use of these kinds of plant materials, because you're going to be dealing with clients that ask you, and you need to have an understanding of this yourself. The first question to ask is, what actually are hybrid plants? Hybrid plants are the result of a scientific cross-pollination of two different plant materials and the harvesting of the seed that this blending will produce. Plants that grow as hybrids can be grown for a variety of reasons, for the size of the plant, the durability, the flower type or color, the size of the fruit, increased flowering, color of that, the taste or disease resistance, or other reasons that might be considered. Today, you'll find that many plants sold at your local growers are hybrids of some type. It's important to understand the true and continuing nature of your selected botanicals and the effects that a particular plant may have after planting, because these types of plant materials can alter the natural pollinator cycle and in turn your ability to establish habitat. It's important to understand how these crossbred hybridized materials are developed for the trade. To accommodate a very specific and careful pollination procedure, growers are selecting plants from parent groups that produce an offspring or a seed that has a unique or a special characteristic, because the pollination procedure is very specific unto itself. Parent plants are selected generally as females and produce seed that have the anthers removed. These plants will then receive pollen from the selected partner material. By controlling its overall pollination, the results will have a genetic characteristic of both the parent and the offspring plants. I know this is getting kind of nerdy, but this will result in a seed we might call an F1 hybrid or what is called an F1 first filial hybrid. The seeds from that cross-production can be very uniform and will carry a combination of traits. Okay, that's the end of the science part of this. So I won't, I won't, uh, I won't kill you any further on that. As an aside, it's important not to confuse hybrid plants with genetically modified plants or GMO, which are created using techniques such as gene cloning. Hybrids are simply two plants that are cross-pollinated. Hybrid plants can provide a great environmental adaptability to resist stresses, and they can provide better characteristics than non-hybrids toward overall plant uniformity and higher fruit yield. You'll find that a lot of hybrid crossbred plants can be moderately uniform in size and appearance, fairly reliable, and can offer a, a, a much greater reliability overall and demonstrate an increased durability. This can help you in specifying plant material that's adaptable to a range of conditions. We can look at less chemical use in some cases and an improved disease resistance or other characteristics that are desirable when we use a careful, carefully selected plant of this type. Hybrid seed as a rule might be more of an investment for the grower than standard seed, but the greater success and overall durability may be worth the investment. There are some distinct and positive advantages when we use hybrid plant materials. A lot of the popular varieties of garden plants are hybrids for this very reason. For example, there might be a greater hardiness, as I've said before. It might be a vigorous grower. There might be better durability, a larger size, or there might be an intensity or variability to the flower color, a difference in fruit taste, or size, or yield, a difference in leaf shape and pattern and perhaps better disease resistance. These are all really good reasons to consider hybrid plant material, of course. One recent example is the dual season twice fruiting blueberry released by Bushel and Berry, Perpetua. This is a highly desirable blueberry that fruits twice per year. It was found after release and over time though to be somewhat less than reliable. And we were told by Armin Morovia rep that it was pulled out of inventory to allow for further tweaking before it would be re-released. 
Similarly, one recent reliability success has been the generally indeterminate new hydrangeal varieties, given names that can connotate a long or repeated bloom time. Hydrangea Endless Summer, Tough Stuff, and Invincible, Summer Crush, and others promise more bloom and simpler pruning. The new thornless dwarf raspberry, raspberry shortcake, has become extremely popular, while the dwarf thornless non-spreading blackberry, baby cakes, is more of a hard sell. I don't think folks trust that their new hybrid blackberry will not spread everywhere, regardless of the claims. And with a varied reliability from hybrids, they might be right. Yes, there are some advantages to the use of hybrid plants as well, and there are disadvantages, and these are important to note and for diners, designers to better understand. First, there's a general worry about seed integrity and in that you cannot control what actual traits the hybrid seeds may have over the long term because these hybrids are a cross between various varieties. The seed may be unstable and not grow on consistently over time, or it may revert to the original plant material. Another disadvantage is that the seeds tend to lose vigor over time. Further, we may find that some plants grown for variegation, for example, can lose the desired variegation over time and sport or grow branching and leaf out in the coloration from the original plant material. You can see this on varieties of barberry, euonymus, and lanicera, as well as on other ornamentals. This is, of course, a negative attribute. Another issue is hybrid plants may not be able to cross-pollinate properly. Keep in mind that original parent plant material and the native plant material have built-in attributes to repel pollen that is alien to the original parent species. Over time, hybrids can bring forth genetic defects, such as sterile flowers or repression of flowering. This is a characteristic that may not be desired. In some cases, hybridized material can become invasive as well, and as such, it needs to be carefully tested before introducing into a residential or commercial environment. Studies by Doug Tallamy and others have shown that native birds and wildlife are generally disinclined to browse hybridized plant material and altered native materials as well, as readily as they do actual native materials. This is a new understanding with regard to habitat, and it's an important one because the drop-off in food sources is significant now with native wildlife, in particular with native birds. If landscape designers want to keep up with these plant trends and be able to predict availability into the future, we now have the ability to, now to follow hybrid ornamental and flower trials nationally. This information is published in many of the grower and nursery magazines, many of which are available at no charge with a complimentary subscription. It's possible to follow the successes and winning combinations found at these trials, notably the Perennial Plant Association, the Perennial Trial Program at Colorado State University, the Penn State Extension, the Chicago and Missouri Botanical Gardens, and the UGA Horticultural Trial Garden in Georgia. Successful results from vigorous plants from these test gardens and from proven winners and first editions will predict a greater availability of selected botanicals because of their earned awards. This is not to say that these are necessarily going to be good pollinating or habitat plants. Usually they won't be. But if your goal is greater flower color or an improved ornamental function, then you might want to start to follow these trials. There have been great advances for designers to know about in fruit production and disease resistance for fruiting trees and berry shrubs through hybrid development. This is perhaps one of the most positive aspects of the process for landscape designers specifying plant material for home fruit production. Disease resistance for improved tree canopy and development of resistance to the detrimental aspects of climate change are also positive changes we can look forward to when we think of the ravages 
that have occurred with the American elm and the domestic chestnut tree. At our own nursery facility, we've stopped carrying the once ubiquitous Jaquamontii birch because of a lingering late summer birch borer problem each year. And here in the Puget Sound, we're now seeing a rapid dieback in once reliable alpine conifers with plants such as Sinoki cypress, alpine fir, mountain hemlock, and varieties of na native western red cedar, hemlock, and Douglas fir deteriorating at rapid rates now due to global warming. Some say that many of these trees will completely disappear from lower elevations by the turn of the century. And this is unprecedented and amazing. Predatory insects hang on longer and necessary cold cycles are occurring too late in the season. We will likely welcome new hybridized insect-resistant native-based cultivars if this helps save the carpet of greenery within which most of our native wildlife will depend. When we plan our landscapes, I don't think many designers take into account, at least as close as they need to, the real and long-lasting ramifications of using hybrid plant materials. Our design-specified plants are chosen for their durability and flush of color in many cases, and the ornamental considerations are paramount for most landscape designers, I think. Looking at it more closely now, as a function of becoming more professional and detailed in our efforts, and in recognition of our true responsibility to steward the land, and importantly, to educate consumers, we need to be recognizing both the dangers and the opportunity presented by this new wave of hybrids. Landscape designers need to be more aware and more open to providing habitat and cross-pollinating materials. This asks for a bit more of a mental drill down from us, and with carefully selected and native integrated plant combinations using a limited amount of hybrid plant materials, perhaps we can lean in to reestablish habitat and carefully place reliable pollinators while still providing a beautiful and colorful ornamental experience for the consumer. Thanks a lot for listening.